Welcome to Small Business Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. Susan Gold of Susan Gold Coaching is a marketing coach and consultant. She's an avid networker and is particularly keen on making sure she's always in the right room. Thank you very much for being my podcast guest today, Susan. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to chat with you. Now, Susan, you're a marketing coach and consultant, but um, I'd love to know if you've, if you've always worked in the marketing space. It seems like I have. <laughs> it's been 40 years. Um, wow. I fell into it by accident. Um, I, didn't, I was uh, a young working person. And I didn't have a degree. I hadn't finished it yet. I was a single parent. And I found that the only place that I could find a job was an advertising agency. And they were so desperate for help. And I walked in literally the first day not having any idea what I was supposed to do. Mm. And it was frightening. I had just been through a divorce. So I had the clothes and I felt like an empty suit because I had gotten a divorce uh, settlement. So I bought the professional clothes and I, um, I walked in there and I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. And here I am 40 years later with a lot of experience behind me, not knowing that that was really the right, um, the right road for me yeah. to go down. Yeah. Well, clearly it suited you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. Because I didn't even know at the time that I, I was a natural marketer. I felt like growing up, I really didn't fit in well. Mm. So I was always observing. And I think that kind of step back and watch what's going on, watch the interactions, learn what's happening, and um, not try to fit in because it didn't work. Mm. And that's always served me very well as a marketer, because I feel like I really represent the um the outside view yeah. which is the buyer's view yeah so from that first job then what what happened next what what has your journey been from there well i i did a lot of work in the um ad agency world i guess i established a, a an ability to deal with very difficult clients <laughs> which is not really something that i recommend it's a good skill <laughs> to they, have <laughs> Yeah, but they give you all the difficult clients because nobody else wants to deal with them. And so I, I really had the opportunity to grow. Um, you know, every time an ad agency loses an account, you got to go find a new job. Mm. And that's how I learned networking so early on in my mm. career. So that really served me well. And then about 10 years in um, on the ad agency side, then I joined um, a big financial services company. And uh, did that for quite a long time. It was a very different uh, approach to marketing, being on the inside of a company, being the client, um, <clears throat> or serving in in-house agency, uh, serving internal clients, but really getting closer to the business, which is what I wanted to do. And um, so I worked, I did everything from television commercials down to um, brand research and direct mail long before websites, digital and mm. social media came into being. Yeah, I mean, I imagine things have, have changed an awful lot in 40 years, that, you know, the way people go about marketing themselves. It's so true. Um, I think to execute marketing with the advent of digital, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, 
Yeah, a lot has changed, but the basics, which is what I'm really all about, the basic strategy of who's your ideal client that makes you money and is a joy to work with, what are the messages that are going to attract them and engage with them, meaning you've got to get inside their head and not just talk about your services and your credentials, whatever, and then being in the right room, using the right channels, those are the basics that I think a lot of companies, large or small, are missing out on. They get stuck in the, oh, shiny object syndrome mm-hmm. of new, you know, new, I should be paying money on Google, right, yeah. to get my message out there and hyper target and all this stuff. But if they don't know who they're really trying to attract and why, um, then uh, it doesn't matter what the tactics are. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about Season Gold Coaching, which is what you run now. What, why did you start this business and how did it come about? It was uh, a little, um, a lot of it was a result of the pandemic. Mm. Uh, I was doing, I had opened my consulting firm uh, in 2010 and was working with a variety of clients doing traditional consulting, doing marketing strategy plans, you know, competitive analysis, SWOT analysis, interviewing clients and prospects, all that stuff, mm-hmm. which ended up being too expensive for a lot of companies. And right before the pandemic, I started to think about, well, if all the companies that I know have in my network now are small and I enjoy working with them, but they can't afford the big strategic plans, what can I do to provide a service that makes strategy affordable, approachable, and actionable hmm. that I can still get paid decently for it because I have all this value to bring? And how do I align all that? And so I created, you know, then then you know, then the pandemic hit and I couldn't be on the road. People were getting used to working virtually. So I leveraged all that and created a what is now a borderless business that um, really focuses on, you know, the key elements, those three key elements of strategy as a base beginning and helping the small business owner that doesn't have access to strategic help. Now, you help small businesses, but are they all kinds of businesses from all different sectors or is there a particular sector that you like to work with? Well, I uh, actually applied my process to myself. <laughs> Who are my ideal clients, right? And I found that uh, my love, my passion really has always been B2B. Mm. So I work with professional services business owners, for instance, like accounting and CPA business owners. I work with a lot of consultants, whether they're data consultants, human resources consultants, business performance Uh, People who are advising companies um, to go to the next level or actually get out of trouble, right, and Mm -hmm. redirect so that they can grow. And so I work with professional services business owners across all those different types of advising, consulting, coaching, and even marketing services companies. I have agencies as clients because they're good at what they do, the technical aspect the, um, you know, data and technology is a big part of social media and paid advertising on the digital side, but there, um, I don't find a lot of strategy. So, and it's, it's really hard no matter what industry you're in 
how to apply strategy to grow your own company because you're too close to it, right? Yeah. So even marketers have trouble creating their own strategy of who their ideal clients are that are profitable, that respect what they do, are a joy to work with, and um, have the need and um, and have an efficient way of, of getting to them. Yeah. Now, I noticed on your website that one of your programs is called Unleash Your Ideal Client, which I love. I love that. I love the idea of unleashing your ideal client. How, how does it work in practice? Uh, yes, I love Unleash, too. Um, I'm glad that came to me early on. <laughs> um, that it really is set up as uh, six one-hour sessions. They're private with me and the business owner. And we focus on the three key elements of um, how to unleash your ideal clients. And the first step is to identify who is your ideal client. Mm. And different business owners may define their ideal client differently. But what I find that is common is they are profitable. They respect what the business does. They do their part as being a client. So they're engaged. They grow with the business as opposed to a lot of clients who what are, are what I call underperforming. Those are the kinds of clients that a business owner took on because that's all they had in front yeah. of them. And they started their business that way, but they can't increase their rates. And those clients aren't growing with them as mm. the business owner wants to add more advisory type services or more sophisticated level of services. So understanding who the ideal client is, we go through a data-driven process of you know, who have you worked with and how would you rank them from a revenue, from a margin and from a, a fit factor standpoint mm. to those factors that I talked about? You know, were they great to work with? Do they respect you? Um, are they a joy to work with? And then aspirationally, who have you wanted to attract that you've never been able to? And then from that, we identify the three ideal client types, not forever, but the ones that they want to replicate in the next six to 12 months. And so we know the who, then the next step is the what to say to engage. And we build a message platform on what are those pain points of those ideal client types? Mm. And then what's the impact and the value that we bring, which is separate than talking about which what most business owners do. Here's my process. Here are my credentials. Here's my list of services. It's up to you to figure out how that fits in your world. Mm. I encourage business owners to really get inside the head of their ideal clients and speak to where they're at. What are their pain points? What can you do about those pain points? And what's the end value of helping them? Yeah. And then so we have the who, and then we have the what to say to engage. And the last leg of the stool is where do we need to say that? This is, in essence, the marketing channels. What do we use? You know, just because we have a website and a Facebook page, we post occasionally, that's not going to drive a lot of clients, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're basically kind of talking to ourselves. So how do we get in front of those decision makers for our deal client types that love and respect the work that we do, that we can be seen and be heard by them and not waste our time and money and effort on kind of the new shiny object that <laughs> is in front of us, you know, because it's a cool tactic. Um, and sometimes social media isn't the right mechanism. It's a tool, but it's not the end all be all, yeah. depending on who the ideal client is. Yeah, I think you know it's very true that you know small business owners and you know I include myself in this, 
we'll talk about what it is we do without thinking about what it is the client really wants. And we're kind of going about things in the wrong way because, you know, you put out something about a service you offer. Why should somebody care about that? That's that's the important bit, isn't it? That's right. It's making that connection. And they're making a decision from a problem that they have, mm. a struggle that they have. And the company, the business owner, has a solution. So if they're busy talking about, here's my list of services, but it's up to you to figure out how that mm-hmm. fits with your problem. So if we switch that around and the business owner presents their products as solutions. So for instance, I just got off the phone with one of my clients and one of the things that he does, he's a chemical consultant. Mm-hmm. One of the things that he does is he helps scale lab process, right? Yeah. So yeah, all these people are out there inventing cool stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's scalable. Yeah. So it's commercial. We can make little batches of it, but how do we make big batches? And then how do we figure out who our market is? Just because we create it doesn't mean we build it, they will come, right? Mm-hmm. That We all know that doesn't really work, right? But we still do it. Yeah. And then the third element is how to go to market. So he's providing the, you know, how do you scale? How do you um, find your audience and how to market, go to market strategies? Those are his three solutions as opposed to I write white papers, I help you analyze and audit your process. You know what I mean? So those are steps, but they're not solutions. Yeah. And I think speaking to how they are thinking and what they need based on the problems they have, it can make that connection and it can differentiate a business so much easier. Yes. Yeah. So what kind of results have you seen your clients get from working with you? Well, even within, you know, the six one hour sessions that we do either weekly or every other week, this is not once a month and we drag it out forever. This is a get in there, build the strategy. I see ROI on the program, the investment of my program, uh, two to three times while they're in the program because they start having... They go to different networking yeah. because they're not in the right room. Yeah. They're having a different conversation with about solutions that are priced value-wise, not an hourly rate, and they're seeing a return already before we finish the program. Yeah. That's now, brilliant. one example is a CPA accounting firm. She wanted to buy out her partner. She didn't really like working with him. He was the tax side. She was the accounting side. We analyzed her client base. And guess what? She didn't really like doing accounting for restaurants and for retail. Mm. What she really wanted to do was more advisory services for more complex industries. She ended up not buying the company. And that would have, that saved her hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy a company full of uh, accounts and, and uh, clients that she didn't really want so that then she opened up her own business. She's not revenue sharing. She's charging more for a higher level service to work in the industries that she really wants to be in. Yeah. So not only did it save her money, she gets to keep more of her money. She's charging more for what she really wants to do when she's working with her ideal clients. Yeah, that's a fantastic result. Now, on your website, you describe yourself as a networking maniac. So tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, 
I, well, as I said, I started networking before it was a thing. Mm. You know, I'm networking in the 80s before a lot of people who are learning networking right now have even been born. <laughs> um, and so I do a lot of networking because that is my primary lead generating channel. And I think a lot of professional services business owners and a lot of people are networking um, to grow their business. And I'm a maniac because I'm constantly checking in on, is this the right room for me? Mm. It does take time to build momentum. You're trying to um, instill in the room that you're networking, whether they are the decision makers or people who could bring a network of decision makers to you, you have to educate them on what you do and you know what impact you have what problems you solve so they can listen for those triggers it takes time to build that momentum mm. but there is a certain point where you realize you know what this isn't the right room they don't have the network that i need and when you're in b2b a lot of times we get trapped and i've been there we get trapped sitting in a networking group that is primarily b2c they're selling to individual consumers. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily have that network of B2B people that we need to meet. So, you know, I've been there. I've done that. I've woken up and realized I'm not in the right room. I'm not getting the results that I need. I need to shift so that, and I have shifted my networking to be in a room full of my B2B professional services business owners. And I do that because I'm borderless, I can go national. Yeah. And so I'm across the US and starting a little bit in the UK, believe it or not, um, to have conversations in front of the right room, in front of the right decision makers, so that I can bring my solution to people who are challenged with the problems of growth. I think that's really interesting about being in the right room. How long do you think it takes before you know whether you're in the right room or not? Sometimes I know in, um, I, I can tell at this point, because I'm so hypersensitive to being in the wrong mm. room, I know the, the red flags of, yep, this is 70% consumer facing or more. It is unlikely to be my right room and I won't even attend. Mm -hmm. That's where you can get to is to know by looking, because we get offers, hey, why don't you come visit my networking group? And I will basically say, you know, it's really not the right room for me, and this is why. This is what I'm looking for. Um, in the cases where it looks like there's a possibility of it being the right room, I usually uh, give it, you know, if it's weekly, I usually give it at least a couple of months, at mm -hmm. least a couple of months. Some people will say, well, you got to give it six months to a year. And frankly, if it takes that long, you're probably not in the right room. Yeah. Or you're not creating that trust factor. People, you know, if, if you're in a room full of transactional uh, businesses, they're not building relationships. And building relationships does take time. Yeah. But people either get it or they don't get what you do. And they may not be the right pathway to making introductions and really getting clear on if you know who your ideal clients are and you know the other people that work with them, those are your referral partners. Mm -hmm. And so to be in the room with those ideal client decision makers or those referral partners, like in my case, it could be CPAs, it could be business attorneys, people who are advising the same kind of clients that I'm going after. Those are the trusted advisors that can bring you in the door, 
And it's a very different pathway to bringing on a new client than the long, hard road. And sometimes it just is a lot of investment of time and money and effort, and it just doesn't pay off. Mm. And I really believe you got to go by your gut. Yeah. You got to listen to your gut. Yeah. So is finding the right room something that you help your clients with? Absolutely. Because we start with, you don't know if you're in the right room if you're not clear on who your ideal client is. Mm. And when you hear anybody say, if you say, so who are your customers? Who can I introduce you to? And you hear anybody and everybody needs my services. (laughs) That may be true. But that, you can't introduce them to anybody and everybody. You need help to know who do they really need as their most ideal clients, their sweet spots, their industries that they have a lot of experience in, um, where they have traction to build off of. It's really kind of low-hanging fruit, right? Mm -hmm. You don't reinvent everything, but you really hone in on these are the people that I really want to replicate. I want more of these. I know them well. They're willing to pay me for my value. And I show results. And that story is the story you want to tell over and over and over again. Yeah. How did you find that things changed in terms of networking during the pandemic? Well, I found that there are some organizations, networking organizations, that came to a screeching halt. Mm-hmm. They had no idea how to go virtual. And so those were a lot of the chambers, um, yeah. a lot of the, uh, you know, very in-person, you know, um, a lot of social events. Um, but I found the more professional, uh, you know, uh, comfortable with technology um, and, you know, culturally sh- able to shift from a cultural standpoint, that they were able to make that move to um, going virtual and allowing, um, enabling and and providing great networking, even for people who were new to technology. Mm. But they brought people along with them. And so what I saw for a lot of these organizations is many of them were geographically focused initially. Once they went virtually, their membership base exploded because people yeah. could be borderless. Yeah. And, you know, a chamber is often very geographically focused. Yes. But an industry association or, for instance, the Association of Professional Consultants, for example, one of the industry groups that I'm in, they all of a sudden were getting out of country, not just out of state, members yeah. coming in and seeing value So now what we're seeing is a lot of these uh, networking areas are finding that let's keep the borderless open and we can offer social events geographically in person. And that's the right blend. Yeah. Yeah. So do do you think that the, the face of networking has been changed forever because of the pandemic? I do. I do. I think not just networking, but doing business together. Yeah. You know, without the pandemic, I don't know that I would have developed, hopefully I would have, my coaching services. I w- would not have known that I could, most of the people I work with and that I network with are, I'll never meet them in person. Yes. But I have amazing relationships with people, all based on the ability to do a Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been brilliant. 
Um, yes. You know, because you know, the, the kind of industry that I'm in, it doesn't matter where you're based. You know, I can work for anybody anywhere in the world. And, you know, the online networking has just opened things up so much and made so much more possible. It really has. But it also has put that much more emphasis on people are making decisions on who they want to do business with by looking at their LinkedIn, mm-hmm. their profile, their posting, how they're engaging, what they're saying, and their website. So marketing assets are even more important now, I think. Yeah. You know, not having just a throwaway or an out-of-date website, you really need to have a powerful website, not in feature functionality, just in messaging Yeah. to really connect with that ideal client so that when someone says, hey, I'd like to introduce you to so-and-so, what are they going to do? They're going to go look them up on LinkedIn yep. and check out their website. Yeah, absolutely. So what advice do you have for new networkers in this kind of brave new networking world? Yes. Um, it can be scary because if you're an introvert, um, it feels like uh, you'd rather get run over in the middle of the street. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it feels like that's what's happening to you. But understand that most people in business are not used to presenting themselves in a weekly presentation for one minute mm. or introducing their, themselves to a room of people that they don't know. Um, some people, the thought of going to a chamber business after hours and there's 200 people there, who am I going to talk to? You know, those same fears are there, whether it's in person or virtually. I think, you know, there's a lot of education around networking and how to structure what to say, how to make small talk, whether you're virtually in a breakout room or you're in person again now that, you know, some places are going back in Mm -hmm. person. There's a lot out there. But the most important elements, however you socialize within that um, networking function, you have to be clear who's your ideal client, what problems do they have, and what to listen for, and how to connect you. Yeah, Those are the most important things. People don't need to understand your process, that you've been doing it for 40 years, mm-hmm. or whatever the blah, blah, blah is. It's, Susan, what do you do for whom and what is the problem that they complain about so I can listen for that? And then when I hear it, what do I say to connect you? Yeah. And then that's all you need to know. That's all everyone you talk to needs to know. Yeah, that's very good advice. So finally, Susan, if people are interested in finding out more about you and your coaching program, where do they find you? Yes, thank you. It's uh, very easy. It's my website, www.susangoldcoaching. And it's the traditional gold spelling, G-O-L-D. So susangoldcoaching.com. And if you visit, you are welcome to download my free um, offering that is entitled Your Four Must Actions, Must Do Actions to Attract Your Ideal Clients. And it really kind of takes you through in a little worksheet format a lot of the stuff that I talked about with you today. That sounds very useful. Thank you very much for being my guest, Susan, and um, best of luck with uh, everything. Thank you. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I wish everyone listening best of luck in your networking efforts and growing your business. Thanks for listening to Small Business Big Network. If you found this podcast useful, 
please do rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too.